Boy, it's good to have you guys here. It was wonderful to see the uh, 35 people or so yesterday uh, making this campus look really, really nice. So if you were a part of that crew, I just want to once again uh, give you my thanks for coming in. And, and it was wonderful this time where we actually had um, a little meal afterwards, and that was kind of a, a neat thing for uh, us to share in, uh, just as kind of a thank you and a, just more fellowship of what we were doing together, and, and that was good. Um, and I'd love to see uh, all of us there at uh, the Lord's Acre uh, continuing to, uh, to uh, serve there as well. So the story goes, it's an old preacher's uh, story about how uh, a uh, preacher's wife was uh, planning on retirement in a very unique way, uh, kind of investing in their, in their uh, old age in a very interesting way. And, and uh, the preacher didn't realize what was going on until one day they were uh, rearranging the furniture and he moved their bed and underneath the bed was a, a box, a fairly large box, uh, not real deep, but kind of shallow to fit under the bed. And in it were uh, probably about eleven twelve hundred dollars in one dollar bills it was pretty amazing and then also there were seven eggs so he asked his wife well what's going on here hon and especially you know what are these eggs doing here she goes well you know i've been evaluating your sermons ever since you've been preaching for these many 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 years and every time you have a bad sermon i put an egg in the box and he was thinking, well, I don't know, only seven eggs. That's not bad over the years and the decades that I've been preaching. And then he thought of the money. He goes, well, I, I bet I know what the money's there for. He goes, and so what's the money? She goes, well, every time I get a dozen, I sell those eggs and put the money here. <laughs> Interesting investment strategy, huh? Making 77 look good. This is our last sermon in this series. Making 77 look good because, again, our church is 77 years old. Um, and by making 77 look good, it involves a lot of things, one of which is to make sure that you have invested your resources over the course of your life wisely, especially if you are at an age where you've retired from your career in a physical sense. A lot depends on how wisely you've invested the resources that you earned throughout that career. And on top of that, you, you got to think about what you're going to be leaving for the next generation. What, what's going to be the inheritance of your kids or your grandkids? And, and not just financial inheritance, but spiritual inheritance as well. I, I want to start today with a passage in the New Testament um, that many people just breeze over because they don't think it applies to them. But if you have understood by now the wealth of our culture, the wealth of the Western world, the, the wealth that God has bestowed upon our great country, you, you'll understand that uh, even the poorest of Americans are richer than at least 90% of the rest of the world, okay? You, know, you, you might think, well, th these, these passages that talk about the rich, they don't apply to me because I'm not very rich compared to my neighbor or somebody else that, that I know, my, my boss or whatever. Uh, you you got to understand that putting things into perspective, uh, in comparison to the rest of the world, even the poorest of Americans is, is blessed with at least the ability to make money and earn money. Th th this last week, I... what. The average yearly salary in Uganda is uh, only $500, which for some of you, um, that's not even a fourth of your income per month. That's pretty interesting, huh? 
Now, I ran across this little gem this last week. Um, it's, it's a prayer that says, Dear Lord, I, I've been rereading the events of the gospel about the rich young ruler who came to ask Jesus about inheriting eternal life and his obviously wrong choice uh, after hearing Jesus' answer. But Lord, it got me thinking. Because no matter how wealthy this man was, he could never ride in a car. He could never have surgery. He could never turn on a light. He could never buy penicillin or listen to a piano or watch TV or wash dishes in running water, let alone a dishwasher, or send an email or mow a lawn or fly in an airplane or sleep on an inner spring mattress or even get a voicemail on his cell phone. So, Lord, if that man was rich, what does that make me? I mean, it puts things into a little bit different perspective when, when the Bible addresses the rich of this world. So instead of uh, just kind of breezing over and saying, well, that doesn't apply to me, what, what I would like us to do is anytime we see any of Jesus' words about rich, the riches and the resources of this world, that we would actually uh, read that with an open heart. Uh, instead of saying that doesn't apply to me, that we actually would pay attention uh, with open hearts and open ears to see if we can't find some of God's wisdom uh, of wielding our wealth. So I want you to turn to the passage today of First Timothy chapter 6. And this is one of my very favorite verses when it comes to talking about those who have resources. Because number one, it's not being unrealistic. Number two, it's not oppressive. And number three, it doesn't bring guilt for those who have been born in a, a very privileged culture. Okay, I don't want you to walk away from this place uh, feeling guilty about where you were born. You had nothing to do with where you were born or when you were born. Okay, So if you have resources, this is not to make you feel guilty. It is, though, to bring some wisdom into your life about what God has done by blessing us. And I, I love First Timothy 6. Um, we're going to start in verse 17. We're going to be looking at a few verses. But right now, it begins like this. Command those. He's, Paul is telling Timothy, this pastor of this congregation. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Okay? Or not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, if you have been in a church where finances are discussed at any point of your life, you've probably heard the fact that Jesus had more to say about money than anything else. He he spoke more about money than he did even about heaven. And over half of his parables had something to do with resources or wealth. And, and one out of every ten verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you, if you break them down, one out of every ten verses is directly about money. Why? Well, because Jesus understood that there would be a temptation. You see, money is a tool. And if that tool is used wisely, it can be very, very beneficial. Okay? If it's misused or abused, then that can lead to some dangerous things. For example... In many of your hands, if I gave you a chainsaw, you would be very productive. You put a chainsaw in a pastor's hands, well, there's a scar right here that I can show you that uh, happened from a chainsaw when I almost took off my hand. As being a preacher, I, you know, I'm sitting there at the doctor's office, and they said, if this is work-related, let us know. I'm going, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I guess if I wasn't a pastor, I would know how to use a chainsaw better than I did. So you don't want to give me a a, a chainsaw. And if you've seen the tree right outside of Pastor Scott's office, you don't want to give Pastor Scott a a chainsaw either. Uh, In our hands, it's dangerous. In somebody else's hands, it could be very, very beneficial. Okay? 
So, so Jesus actually is saying, listen, God cares about how we have earned our money or how we get money. God cares about how we use our money, and God cares about how we invest our money. And that's why I love this verse in 1 Timothy, because we're told that God provides everything for our enjoyment. I bet you've never heard that when somebody talks about money. A lot of Christians think that God's desire for our money is that we'd give it all away and live in poverty. 1 Timothy 6.17 actually says that God has given us all of our resources for our enjoyment. That means God says it's okay to enjoy the resources that you have. You know, God does provide resources to people. And so it's not what you have where the problem occurs. It's, it's in the way you either have made your money or how you use your money or how you invest your money that can be good or bad, okay? So let's look at those three things. How do you make your money? Well, when John the Baptist was calling people to repent, he was baptizing people and he was telling them to repent, a lot, a lot of people came to, to see him and to hear him. Uh, some of the ordinary people, some tax collectors were there, and some of the Roman soldiers even came down to see what was going on, and they heard him say, repent. So they asked him, well, what does that look like? Well, what should we do? How, what, what does repentance look like in my life? And, and for the, the regular people, he says, listen, if you've got two shirts... And there's somebody that you know of that doesn't have any. You should probably give one of your shirts to them. Okay, so I get that. But then he says to the tax collectors, they said, well, what should we do? He says, don't collect more than what is is required. In other words, don't cheat people out of money in order for you to make your money. Okay. The the soldiers then said, well, what, how should we um, repent? And he says, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely to get their possessions through the courts. Be content with your pay. In other words, robbing other people to get rich, that's not an honorable way of using our wealth, okay? There are a lot of ways, by the way, that you can steal money without pulling a gun on somebody. Uh, you, you know this. If you borrow money from other people and you just never, ever give it back, that's stealing. If you've been employed for working 40 hours a week for a corporation or a person and you don't really put in 40 hours a week and yet you take a paycheck for those 40 hours, folks, that's stealing, okay? So there's a lot of ways that we can steal, that we can rob other people, that we can get rich without really honoring God. Uh, Trying to get rich quick, that doesn't honor God either. Proverbs 13 says, wealth gained hastily, that's going to dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. You know, unfortunately, we have a government-sponsored get-rich-quick scheme called the lottery. Okay? In reality, it's actually a get-poor-rich scheme. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, the odds are, if you actually look at the odds, for every dollar that you might invest in the lottery, you're only going to get about 60 cents back. So let's say you got $1,000 just burning a hole in your pocket that you want to invest. And so you go in and buy $1,000 worth of lottery tickets. That first week, if statistics prove out in your case, you'll, you'll have $600 left. You'll have gotten $600 from your $1,000 investment. Not real smart. So you take that $600 and you invest it again. After the second week, you now have $360. So then you take that $360 and you invest again. After about 14 weeks, folks, you're left with 78 cents. You can't even buy a ticket for 78 cents. Do, do you see how that's not the best way? That's not honoring God by earning your money through the lottery or, or trying to get rich quick. 
What, what does the Bible say about earning money? Well, there's a, a lot of things that God says about work ethic. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, for even when we were with you, Paul says, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. You can honor God or dishonor God by the way that you make your money. God cares about how you earn your money. God also cares about how you use your money, your wealth. Going back to that passage in 1 Timothy, he says, teach those who are rich not to be arrogant or put their hope in money, which is so uncertain. So again, money is a tool. It's not good. It's not bad. It can be used for either, depending upon the person. And the way that you're going to use money is going to show me what's really in your heart. It's really going to betray the condition of your heart. And so if Paul's talking about money who have this, uh, talking about people who have a certain attitude towards money, uh, these people that he was talking to uh, or about were arrogant. They were arrogant. Uh, See, you can approach money matters with pride. Um, that somehow the fortune that you have amassed is solely because of your unbelievable financial wizardry. Like, you are so good. Well, I hope you can stay good consistently for years and years and years and years and years if you're going to put uh, your faith in your own ability. But eventually, something's going to drop out. Uh, the, the bottom's going to fall out of that. And you're gonna, if you're only trusting in yourself, then you're going to be in, in, in trouble. But if you can remember that it is God that gave you the, these riches, then, then you can be approaching this with humility. But if you've got pride and, and see money with a prideful heart, then you're setting yourself up for more than just potential ruin financially. You've got a heart problem. And, and if you're not trusting God in that, then you're not going to be able to trust God in other areas. God told his people in Deuteronomy chapter 8, don't become proud at that time. He's talking about when they go into the promised land and they have this amazing land flowing with milk and honey. He says, don't become proud. Don't become proud at that time. Don't forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was hot and dry. He gave you water from a rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food that was unknown to your ancestors. And he did this to humble you, to test you for your own good. He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved wealth on my own, in my own strength and my own energy. So remember, Yehovah, the Lord, your God, because he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Pride gets in the way. Pride gets in the way. I I heard a great story about pride this last week, about uh, the legendary coach of the uh, Dolphins, Don Shula. Uh, You know, when you become famous, and when you get rich because you're famous, you you can somehow kind of lose touch with reality. Uh, Shula was so used to being recognized. One of the years that he went on vacation with his wife, they decided to go up to Maine, to a very small little town way outside of, uh, of, of the beaten road there in Maine. 
because he didn't want to be recognized, okay? And uh, the story goes that uh, he and his wife went to a small little movie theater, kind of like the Odom Theater Pub, a very small little movie theater. And as they walked in, there was about a dozen people there, and they all applauded. <laughs> so, oh, they, they recognized me, Don thought. Shulam's like, wow, these, I, I can't believe that these guys know who I am. That's pretty awesome. And he was pre- feeling pretty good about himself. When he sat down by uh, one of the gentlemen, he says, I, I didn't realize that you knew who, who I was, that you recognized me. And the man says, I don't recognize you. I have no idea who you are. He says, well, well then why did everybody applaud when I walked in? And he said, well, the manager told us that we're not going to show the movie until 15 people are in this auditorium. And you guys made 15. So, yay. See, pride in your heart will skew your reality and it will make you think things that are not real. You'll, you'll think that they are real. The issue of pride there in 1 Timothy 6 is, is Paul says, don't be haughty. Uh, don't trust in your riches. If you think that they came from your financial prowess, then you're just trusting in your own means. And, and then who gets the glory? Not God. So that's pride. But you can also approach money with fear. I, I'm sure that you know people who they approach their money with a sense of fear. They, they fear wasting it. They fear losing it. Uh, and if that's in your heart, if, if fear is in your heart, then uh, you're, that's going to ha- determine how you use or don't use your money. Uh, there, there's an illustration of a, of a lady uh, in our, the history of America, a gal named Hetty Green. And um, she would pinch her pennies. She would live on very, very little. She would be very stingy. She would not be very generous at all. And when she died, they found out that she was actually a multimillionaire. But she even refused herself some of the niceties of life, like heat in her, in her home, because she didn't want to lose her fortune. So she never used her fortune. Now, now so, so when you store things away and not even using it for yourself, this doesn't help anybody. Uh, Hetty Green did not help her, the economy of the community that she lived in. Uh, she didn't benefit anybody who was in need. She didn't really even use it to help herself. That, that's what fear can do. It can paralyze you for actually using the, the resources that God has given to you. So that's pride and that's fear. But some people approach money with greed in their hearts. Uh, they've bought fully into the idea that the richer they are, the better off that they will be. And that is the Scrooge syndrome. Uh, you know, I've earned this. It's for me. I don't care about anybody else. It's like the man in the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. About a guy who was a businessman. He had a lot of barns. And he had a good crop one year. And he was able to fill up his barns with his crop. Being able to feed his family for the next season and all of his workers. And yet there was more Once he was filling up all of his barns, he had more. He had extra. And he didn't understand why he was given extra, so he tore down his barns. He built bigger barns, and he thought, I'll never have to work in my life ever again. I can sit back, take life easy, and eat, drink, and be merry. And God looked at him and said, you're a fool. You are, I gave you everything that you needed. Your barns were filled, and then you had extra. So you're a fool because you did not know why I gave you that extra. You had greed in your heart. And God says, tonight, I'm gonna, your life will be demanded of you. I'm going to bring you home. I'm, I'm going to end your life today. And then who's going to get all of that stuff that you accumulated for yourself? And then Jesus concluded it by saying, this is how it will be with anyone who is uh, wealthy, 
but is not rich towards God. He didn't say that this is what's going to happen to anybody who's wealthy. That's not the point. Uh, You might have wealth, and that's fine. But if you have wealth and are not then also rich towards God, there's the problem. Because you're not using your money wisely. You're you're allowing pride or fear or or greed to change the way that you use your money. And that does not bring honor to God. You see, God cares about how we use our money. God cares about how we earn our money. And then God cares about how we invest our money. Going back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, there are two more verses that complete this thought. First of all, again, he's, he's talking about how to use and invest money. He first says in verse 18, command the rich in this world to do good. Okay? To do good. To be rich also in good deeds. Not just in wealth and resources, but to be also rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. So in a sense, our... Material possessions are given to us as a test. Remember, God owns it all anyway. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And yet we have resources. It's almost as if God is testing us to see how well we will manage those resources. How we're going to use them, how we're going to invest them. He told the the parable of the talents where uh, there were three servants who received a sum of money and two of them were very good stewards with the money that they had. They they actually increased the value of what had been given to them by their master. And one of them just kind of buried it and didn't want to do anything with it, didn't want to lose it. And and the master came back and commended those two saying, you've done very, very well with managing the, the resources that I gave you. I'm going to give you more. To the one who was not very wise in managing the resources, uh, the master says even what he has is going to be taken away from him. You see, God will supply all that we need for our enjoyment. That was verse 17 of of 1 Timothy chapter 6. But occasionally God will give us extra as a test to say, okay, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to invest the the extra that I have given to you? If you think that the extra is just for you, then you have not learned the, the lesson of the parables. God wants us to do good with the things that we have, to be rich in good deeds with the things that we have, to be generous with the things that we have and be willing to share. And then in the last verse, verse 19, there's this supernatural outcome that God has waiting for us if we can invest correctly. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life, and I love this phrase, the life that is truly life. Now, I know people in this congregation who have understood this principle a long, long time ago, and they began to be generous with the extra. And they will tell you that they have found life that is truly life. In fact, if you can say that, what I want you to do, two two things. Number one, I'm going to ask you to to do something. And I want you that with the fervor that that you're going to do this needs to be in, in the direct measure of how much you truly believe this. But how many of you know the joy of being generous with your money? Say amen. Okay, so, okay, I, okay, if you're listening to this and you're not generous, apparently there's really no joy because you, you heard that kind of, amen, well, amen. Okay, if you know the joy of being generous with the extra, say amen. amen. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. 
That's the testimony of people who have actually been out there in the front lines that have tested God. God has given them more than what they need, and they have been generous, and you know the blessing. Amen? All right. So this is not just me trying to get more money out of you. Believe me, I would love for you to understand what so many other people have understood. Do you see how Paul's words here echo Jesus' words about laying for yourself treasures in heaven? He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You see, once you've hit your golden years, and I'm pretty sure 77 is there, or at least it's pretty close to the the golden age, it's important to know that you've invested in something that will be a blessing, that you've invested in the right things, the things that are truly priority in life, truly life, things that you're going to be able to take with you. Now, you know that you can't take it with you, right? Right? That there's no U-Hauls at the back of a hearse, right? I'm sure you've heard that. You, you can't take it with you. There's a story about a guy who was so rich, he had millions and millions of dollars in the bank, and when he died, he says, I want to be buried with all of my money. I don't want anybody else to get my money. I want that to be buried with me. So his widow said, okay, and she wrote a check and put it in the ca- uh, casket with him. <laughs> you want all your money? There it is in a check, Right? You can't take it with you. But the treasure principle that God teaches us in Scripture is that you can send it on ahead. Okay? What can you take to heaven with you? What can you send ahead with you? That's what Paul is talking about here. Building yourself a treasure that God truly sees as treasure. To build in such a way that the influence of your life around those that live among you here on earth being an ambassador for God's kingdom, seeing needs in in people's lives and being willing to, if you have the means uh, to do that, to fill those needs, uh, to show them how much they are valued by their heavenly father, showing them practical care for those who just cannot provide for themselves. And then, and then here's the kicker. Here's where the reward is. Finally getting to heaven and then seeing those people. Seeing those people in your family or in the circle of your close friends or, or those people groups that benefited from the resources that you gave to uh, local missions uh, in our community or uh, missions uh, uh, away from us as well. That's going to be where your reward is. All of those will be a rich reward waiting for us in eternity. By the way, we, we talk about... Um, Uganda, we, we talk about the overseas stuff, but you know, there, there are things here in this community that we also give to, right? In fact, this Tuesday, by the way, I'm just write this down. This Tuesday at 9.30, if you have some time, Shepherd's House is, is expanding from Bend into Redmond, and they are actually uh, possessing the, the, the building that used to be a church called Grace Gate, right behind Cindy's uh, Chinese Food um, and... Uh, uh, and Taco Bell, why is it always that I, I bring up the food uh, places that, that these are by? It's also by the Verizon store right there on Highway 97. At 930, I'm going to be there uh, to take a tour uh, of the facilities. And the guy showing me the tour said, if you want to bring anybody else with you, bring them. So if you are, if you are interested in, in what the Shepherd's House is going to look like and be like here in Redmond, uh, in, in a way that we might be able to actually uh, help feed people, It's great to be able to feed people, right? But then it's so much better to, after you feed them, to then feed them with the word of God and show them the gospel. 
Because you showed them that you cared by feeding them. And then you showed them that you really cared about their eternity by inviting them to understand the gospel. And so if you have time, 930, just meet us over there at Grace Gate at the, the New Shepherd's House. And we'll, we'll have a, a tour together. It would be awesome just to kind of fill that place up with people who, are, who really care about um, making a difference here even in our own community. So in conclusion, and all God's people said amen, uh, anytime the preacher says in conclusion, this little passage, I love 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. There's no guilt there. There's no oppression there. It's an exciting verse to say, hey, if you have resources, first of all, take care of your family, take care of your needs, and then if you've got extra, there are places that you could be uh, using and investing your money that will be uh, honorable to God. Real quick, three points that you can just keep in your head and say this is what the sermon is all about. Number one, choose humility over haughtiness. Choose humility over being arrogant, haughty. Choose God, serving God, trusting God over trusting in your gold. Okay? And then finally, choose generosity, a life of generosity rather than a life of greed. Um, DC, if you'll, your team will come on up. Now, in these last five, six weeks, we've essentially gone through a spiritual health checkup. And I I hope you've taken the messages to heart. Because the stronger that you are in these areas that we've talked about, the larger that legacy you're going to leave for the next generation. This church was began 77 years ago. Okay? And, and, And those people, they lived outside of themselves so that we could reap the benefits. Can we also live outside of ourselves so that the next generations to come, 77 years later, that they will be sitting here in these chairs or maybe in another building even, and that they will look back and say, these people were faithful. These people were faithful with the resources that God gave them. And because of that, this church has remained as a steady beacon of light and hope to this community and for the, uh, the missions around the world. Folks, retaining the vision for the lost, allotting the resources of our time and our talent and our treasure to build God's kingdom, remembering that God desires for our hearts to follow hard after him. Essentially, those are the practical ways to demonstrate that we truly do love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we practically love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus said that all the commands can be summed up in those two practical ways of living. So if you want to know if you are doing the will of God, that you're living within his will, keep measuring your spiritual life to the book, okay? And strive to stay healthy and active in your spirit as you do in your physical life as well. Lord's Acre is coming up. And that's a great way of starting. If you're feeling like God is prompting you to, to get involved and to do something about this, next week we're going to look at what the Lord's Acre is all about and how participating can actually change your life. Would you stand with us? Uh, you know, I love you. Uh, I do. I do love you, and I love serving as your pastor. I, I want to pray for us, and we're going to sing a song of, of response, and then we are going to be out of here. Make sure that you greet people on your way out to make sure that they know that they are uh, that they have a place of belonging here, okay? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for uh, your love, for the grace that we find in your son, Jesus. God, I, I want to thank you for the resources, the, the way that you've blessed us. God, we, uh, we want to enjoy those things that you have given to us. But then, Lord, I would pray that we would understand that there are then responsibilities that you give that, 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 that are included in those who have been blessed uh, with finances and resources. 
And so, Lord, I would pray that we would find the joy that there is in investing in the things that truly matter, that are truly life, outside of our taking care of our own and our own family and our own needs. So, God, I would pray that you just continue to show more and more people this principle so that more and more people can find the joy of living in their trust in you and seeing your kingdom grow and expand because of their generosity uh, towards the things that you ask them to be generous towards. God, I thank you for those, so many of the, the, the congregation here who understand that, who live there. I thank you for their faithfulness in response to your faithfulness to them. And may we just continue to seek your will with those resources that you give to us. And, and may we find that joy in living in your love. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.